Let's pray once more. Father, um, as we go now to your word, I pray that we'd understand it. I pray that we'd apply it. I pray that it would be living and active as we know that it is. But I pray that it would do its work as that living and active tool used by you to bring change into our lives. So please, use the preaching of your word this morning. Use the Sunday school to come. May we become more and more like your son Jesus. May we look more and more like him. In Christ's name, amen. Well, good morning. It's week two, but week one for the Packers, so I figure I better uh, show my support a little bit. There's <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful man, one of the seniors in the group back in Watoma, and he uh, gave me this tie on Super Bowl Sunday and said, this is the tie you're going to preach in this morning, Pastor. And I said, yes, sir. And I put it on, and uh, anyway, I don't wear it too often, but I thought, oh, today we'll think we'll work. So i got to grab one thing to set up here, and we'll be ready to go. And of course, you realize what a dangerous thing it is to say, um, I want more of you, God, because typically that means uh, he pushes you in some uncomfortable directions. <laughs> just, just, just saying. All right. Oh, woohoo, that's good. This is good. All right. I think we're set. Okay. I know the sound, the sound people and the tech people go, ooh, water at the front. That's not a good idea. I'll try to keep under control. One time I was preaching and I used the example, I think I used a knife or something, and, and, and it was in the youth group, and they were all going, <gasps> you know, he's got a knife, and uh, it was all right. All right, um, this morning I want to talk about the filling of the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit, sometimes a controversial topic in the church, I don't think it needs to be, but I'll tell you the first time I ever thought about filling of the Spirit was when I was in high school, I was... Uh, there was a time when I had some free time on Sunday nights, so I would check out maybe this church or that church. Yes, there were probably girls involved in that, but anyway, just put it on the table there. It wasn't because I was so spiritual. Um, so I was attending this Pentecostal church. Never been to a Pentecostal church before. Um, I saw some things never seen before. I saw people that were kind of laughing uncontrollably, and I said, what's this? And they said, well, these people are filled with the Spirit, and they're laughing. And, and, and then some people were, were, were in the service, they were like standing on the chairs and they were worshiping and I thought, wow, that's weird because I'm, I'm from a Presbyterian background, okay? The frozen chosen, you know what I mean? And, uh, that's just how we do things. And, uh, if we had drums on a Sunday morning, it was an amazing occurrence, right? And, uh, so I saw people worshiping vigorously, let's put it that way. And uh, they were really, really into it and I kind of liked that part, but everything else I was kind of, kind of scared of it even, because I'd never seen anything like that. And I thought, no, church isn't supposed to be laughing uncontrollably or, or, or doing some of these things. And someone spoke in tongues, and I thought, no, I don't know what this is, but this can't be. And then someone told me, well, this is the filling of the Spirit. This is what this is. And, and I learned later that it was kind of a controversial topic in the church. I started asking people, do you know about filling? I'm talking to the people back at the Presbyterian church. Oh, we don't do that, you know. And and they're talking about these things. like, wow, this is... This is hot stuff, you know. I was I walked into something really big that night, and uh, now I tell no story to make fun of our Pentecostal brothers and sisters. In fact, my in-laws are Pentecostal, and I have nothing but respect for them. I'll tell you that right now. But I'll tell you that this is kind of a controversial topic. But I don't think it needs to be. I really don't think it needs to be. In fact, I believe to understand the filling is a really big deal for the church. Now, why do I say that? I say that because in your notes, you have a definition of spirituality. So if you have your bulletin, uh, check that out. I have a definition of spirituality in there for you. 
And uh, Christy will probably be in that definition. No, I'm just kidding. Did you like that? <laughs> um, no, but I memorized this definition about 15 years ago because I thought it was very helpful to think about what does it mean to be spiritual? What am I aiming for? On the front of our bulletin it says, we exist to grow in Christ. That's our promise to the world. We are promising people that we as a church are going to look more and more like Jesus. That if people come into this church a year later, they should say, oh, this is even better. Because it seems more and more like Jesus here. Okay? And I've had that experience where I've had people in Watoma leave the church and come back and say, it's even greater than when we left a year ago to move here. I'm like, that's exactly what I want to be hearing about this place. That's our promise to the world. So, spirituality. In, in the definition you have in your bulletin, or in your notes, and this is the one I memorized years ago. I think it's very helpful. Spirituality is living out the life of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in response to the Word of God and prayer. So, you can't have a spiritual person that cuts Bible reading out of their life entirely. I'm not worried about the Bible. I just want the Spirit. No, no. That's not how it works. You have to be connected to the Bible. Okay? And you can't have a person that just knows a lot about the Bible, but doesn't care about being Spirit-empowered. I can do it on my own. I've read the Bible. I know everything I need to know. No, that leads to pride, and it doesn't lead to the submissiveness and, and, and the humbleness that the Spirit desires in our life. It doesn't lead to empowerment, because the Spirit empowers us. So this morning, what I want to do, if you were here last week, I talked a little bit about the, the centrality of the Bible in our life, how we measure everything in our life according to the Bible. You heard me talk about that. So I want to talk a little bit this morning about then the empowerment of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit. What role should the Spirit have in this church? And I don't think it's nearly as controversial as some of us think it is. So, if you would, go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning. Ephesians 5, verse 17, says this. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then I'll jump around a little bit. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If you jump down to chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And we'll stop there. With the kids. With the kids. Amen. Anything else is a little too much. <laughs> All right. This is good. <laughs> Clearly, from the Scripture, it's an expectation that we all are filled with the Spirit. I mean, when I read this, I say, this is what God wants for us. So slide one. Point one is, God commands us to be filled with the Spirit. This is an expectation of God. It says, understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish. Now, the whole don't be foolish thing is preceded by the word therefore, which refers to things that happened before this. So if you look at the other parts of chapter 5, you'd realize that he's talked about a lot of foolish things in chapter 5. Chapter 5, 
He says, uh, but among you there should be not even a hint of sexual immorality. This is verse 3. Any kind of impurity, greed, these are improper for God's holy people. You're not going to grow if you engage in these kind of actions. And he has a whole list of what he calls deeds of darkness. There's a whole list here. And he says, don't be foolish. Don't, don't do this. But understand what God's will is for you. It's his will for you to be filled with the Spirit. That's his will for your life. This is what he wants for you. This is what he commands for you. It's in the imperative. This is a command of God to us. So it does no good to say, if this is my life, if my life is an empty cup, it does no good to say, well, I don't know what I'm going to fill this with because it's way too controversial. I don't know what's going to happen if I ask for filling. No, no, this is, this is a command of God. What are we filling our life with? And this morning the water is going to represent the Spirit. So I'm going to fill this halfway and then we'll, we'll keep going. There we go. Okay. So denial doesn't work. To say, I'm not worried about what the Spirit's doing. I'm not thinking about that. I just want to study the Bible. I just want to pray. That doesn't do us any good because we have to have the Spirit involved in our life. If we're going to grow in Christ, it has to be. The filling has to be. So secondly, I want to talk about what the filling of the Spirit really is. Let's get down to business. Number two on the slides. The filling of the Spirit is about the Spirit's control in your life. It's about the Spirit's control in your life. He says, understand what the Lord's will is. He says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, which kids means really bad things. Yeah, you kids out there. Debauchery, sin, but, but, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. So there's a comparison going on here. Kind of like when Jesus says, uh, you can either love God or you can love money. There's a comparison going on here. What am I going to love more? Am, am I going to try to serve money so that I can reap its rewards? Or am I going to serve God so I reap his rewards? I mean, it's a contrast, but it's also a comparison. There's overlap here. Now, some Pentecostal churches might teach that when it says don't get drunk on wine, that the comparison is that the filling of the Spirit looks like drunkenness. And so you'll have people that look like they're drunk. I don't think that's the clear teaching of this passage at all. I, I don't see that here at all. But there is a comparison going on here. And the results I'll tell you about in a second, of what, what, what it looks like. If it doesn't look like drunkenness, what does it look like? The filling of the Spirit is compared to being drunk on wine with least debauchery. This is an issue of control. What's controlling us? If you drink too much, alcohol will control you. By the, by the comparison, if the Spirit fills you, He will control you. As a side job once, I drove a, uh, a party bus. And what that means is it was a shuttle bus that picked up people at weddings and would take them to the reception. It would take them from the reception home. And so I only, only drove this a couple times. I was kind of helping out a friend and making a little money on the side. And I was driving this shuttle bus. And I was picking up people at the reception. And there had been a lot of drinking going on. And most of the people that got onto the bus were, uh, they drank, they drank too much. And, Okay, I get that, I've seen that, I'm not scared of that. But what I was scared of was when one of the groomsmen stood up, very drunk, and, and pulled out a machete, okay? I'm not kidding, this wasn't in a horror movie, this was in the bus with me, okay? And I said, and I said, put that thing down, you know, you've got to sit down. And one of the guys actually spoke before I did, because he saw it first, and he said, oh, that's probably not a good idea. He was drunk too. Because um, <laughs> it's not just probably not a good idea. It's a bad idea, a really bad idea, 
So I said, sit down and put that down. And I was, I was a little more uh, forceful than this other guy was. And so we put it away, and we, we were good. Everything was fine. For that 45-minute scary ride home. That's a good hotel. Um, drinking too much leads to bad, bad things. You can't control yourself. We all know this. But drinking deeply of the Spirit leads to incredibly good things. Maybe even abnormally good things, right? And, and I don't mean that in the way that you look like you look really drunk or something. I, I mean, I mean, I just shared my faith with my neighbor. I've never done that before, but I asked the Spirit to help me, and whoa, there it was. I had words to say. Where did that come from? Abnormally good. The Spirit's about controlling us and, and working with us to get the will of God done in our life, to help us grow in Christ. If we open the Bible to study it and we say, like I've heard many people say, it's hard for me to understand the Bible. Have you asked for the Spirit to help you? Because that's what He wants to do. He wants to be there involved in this. So the filling of the Spirit is about control in your life. Some of the verses I gave you at the bottom of your notes uh, maybe will help you understand that control thing a little better. I'll go over two of them. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So either the Spirit is filling me and controlling me and I live by the Spirit, or else I'm going to live according to what I want to do, the sinful nature. That's where I'm going to be. Spirit or sin, take your pick. Or maybe one of the clearest ones, Romans 8, verse 9, you, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you, anyone that doesn't have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. If you have Christ, if you are a believer, then you have the Spirit in your life. So the question is, how much control am I allowing Him? And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Just a little bit. But if we're going to see the fruit of the Spirit in this church, if we're going to see the self-control, the joy, the love, everything that we need here, if we're really going to grow in Christ, we have to have the Spirit actively involved. So, what happens when the Spirit fills us? Don't go to number three yet. Hold off just for a second. I want to read the results of filling for you. I think they're very clear. Tongues is not on this list, nor is acting like you're drunk. Um, although I don't, I don't think those two things are the same, by the way. I think those, those are different things that happen. I'm not comparing those two. Um, but look at what does happen. Awesome spot. If you look at Ephesians 5, uh, verse, we'll go verse 18, verse 19 and following. Ephesians 5, verse 19 and following. Here it is. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Chapter 6, verse 1, kids, this is for you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Verse 5, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and sincerity of heart. And we'll stop. Oh, and then uh, we'll also do verse nine. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them, and and following. So, if you have your notes in front of you, before we get to slide number three, it says the results of filling are very 
Obvious? Fill in the blank with what word you think should be there. What do you think should go there, based on what I just read? If you were to summarize what I just read, what word would you pick? Write it in there. Then you can write the word I picked, but I'd like to see what you think. The results of the filling are very, very... Anyone want to shout one out? Like the, the obvious one? That was good. I like that. Powerful. Satisfying. Ooh, that was good. I didn't get it all, but that was good. <laughs> uh, what, what did I say? Was I hearing? Yeah, I'll send it once. Submissive living. Passionate. Selfless. Love-faced. Love-based. Very good. Very good. What's that? Rewarding. Thank you. Here's the word I picked. And I'm sure, I mean, when you study the Bible, you realize there's a lot of things you can see in the Scripture. Okay? And they are those things that you've just said to me. It is loving. It is passion. Here's the word I picked. Relational. Relational. Give thanks to God. Sing to each other. Wives submit to husbands. Husbands love your wives. Slaves obey your masters. Masters treat your slaves well. Children obey your parents. Derek, Brady, and Kaylin. This is a relational. <laughs> this is a relational kind of filling. It helps us live in God-glorifying, loving, submissive. All those words you said in our relationships with each other. Now let's look at a couple of them, because this is great. It says, uh, verse 19, Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I would have expected it to say, Speak to the Lord with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But it says each other. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I get that worship is between us and God. Uh, Jesus said his followers must worship in spirit and truth. It's our spirit touching God's spirit. It's between us and him. But it's also between, uh, there, there's a, there's a horizontal level to this too. Do you ever find yourself in the worship service and you're singing passionately and you look over and you see other people that you know, know Jesus, they've known Jesus for 30 years, but they're not singing at all? This is kind of week after week. I'm not pointing to anybody because, because I'm not judging. But if you ever felt that way, like, why, why is anyone getting this way I am? Because there's a conversation going here. Because Nathan over here and Dave over here need to be conversing as they sing, as they sing in unison together. There's something edifying and uplifting and, and, and something that builds the church when we sing to the Almighty God. And if you don't do your part, that is, if you don't sing, and you decide, I'm not going to, I don't feel like it, whatever, then we're missing something that's very edifying for us. Whether or not you love the hymns or love the praise chorus is better. So, I think of it kind of like this. On special occasions, Christy and I will go out, and on dates we'll go out, and, and if it's really special, we'll, we'll really splurge and get a big steak. Okay? And she gets a bigger piece. No. We, we both have steak. And, uh, and we'll talk. And we'll just look at each other and we'll talk about our life, talk about our kids. We'll discuss the important things. We'll discuss the not so important things. We're just enjoying each other's company. However, if I sit down with her, and fortunately this has never happened before, but 
if I sat down with her and she said nothing, and I started talking to her and she didn't answer, I started talking about the kids and she didn't answer, talked about her marriage, she didn't answer, talked about the Packers and she didn't answer, I would know that I'm in big trouble. <laughs> okay? Something's not right here. It's a one-sided conversation. I feel awkward. Why am I the only one doing this? And it's not a very good dinner, no matter how great the steak is. And so I believe that no matter how great the worship is, the worship band, the worship team, no matter how great they are, if we don't engage in worshiping Almighty God, we're not building each other up. We're not speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're not growing in Christ. We're not being filled with the Spirit. And then it says, it goes on and he says, uh, giving thanks to the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks to the Father for everything. It's a sign of the Spirit filling if you can come back from a bad doctor's diagnosis and still thank the Father. It's a sign of the filling of the Spirit if you get a pay cut and you can still praise the Father. Not that you're really happy about what happened to you, but that you still trust and love the one who gave you life. And you can praise Him like the song says in the story. That is a sign of the filling of the Spirit. And I am certain, I get that there's many psalms that also issue complaints to God. I believe being honest with God is also part of this deal. But if you can still give him thanks for being there and walking with you through the trial, that's a sign of your spirit filling. On the other hand, if you happen to get a pay raise at work and things are going really, really, really well, it's a sign of the filling of the spirit when you don't pat yourself on the back that you praise him. Right? So whether it's good or bad, whether the diagnosis is good or not so favorable, it's a sign of spirit filling when we can relate to our Father in a certain way that gives Him thanks as the giver of all good things and the one who walks with us through the bad things. That is the filling of the Spirit. And then you have uh, what goes on. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I, <laughs> I can't say it any better than submit to one another. We die to ourselves. If we become a church that says, how can I make this not about me but about you? That's an amazing, amazing church. We submit to each other. We look out for each other's interests first. We're humble in spirit. This is what God has called us to, and that's a mark of spirit-filling. You want to see a spirit-filled church? It's not the ones that just stand up on the pews and praise God and jump around. It's the ones that say, I'm putting you first. This is not about me. I'm going to die to myself. This is not about me. It's about God. It's about loving you first over myself and honoring you. And then it goes on and it says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. You know what? Marriage is not going so well. Have you asked the Spirit to fill you? Have you asked Him to control you when you get home and you know the argument's going to start again for the billionth time? Have you asked for the Spirit's filling so you can hold your tongue? So that you can say encouraging words instead of cutting down words? When you see things break, are, is the first thing that you do to get on your knees and say, Spirit, help us. I once read a story about Billy Graham. Um, if I remember this details correctly, someone asked him, how do you, Billy, how do you avoid all the scandals that is associated with so many public people? 
you know, that are out there in, in the Christian world. And I, I remember reading his response was, well, I sit in my chair and I say, God help me an awful lot. I'm probably not quoting that verbatim, but he said, I sit in my chair and I say, God help me. This is what we do. Life's not going well. Spirit, help me. Fill me. Control me. So, kids, I'm not going to pick on you. You already picked on me enough today, didn't I? Um, children, obey your parents. Oh, let's do it real quick, okay? Kids, your parents just carry out the garbage. You're playing Angry Birds. And, and you say, you, I know what you say, you say, I'll do it when I'm done with this round. Ten rounds later, what garbage? What? Just forgot, I'm, I'm still playing, I'm still playing. But obedience means now, it means immediate, it means I'll do what you want, I'll do it with a good attitude. Kids, if you find yourself having a hard time obeying your parents, maybe you should ask for the Spirit to help you, for God to help you have a good attitude and do what you're supposed to do. Because it's not fun to put down the fun stuff that you're doing and do what they want and do your chores and make your bed. But ask God to help you. And he'll say, no way. No, he'll say, absolutely yes. I can't wait to help you. I can't wait to help you. So, if the Holy Spirit's filling is relational, this is, this is dangerous. Okay? Spirit, fill me up. Here we go. Yes, I spelled on purpose. If I'm being filled with the Spirit, I'm getting you all wet with me. See what I'm saying? If you're being filled with the Spirit, you're getting your neighbor wet too. You're talking about Jesus with him. If you're being filled with the Spirit, your spouse is going, wow, that was not the normal reaction I usually get from you. What is going on? You're getting your spouse wet too. Push them in the pool. That's what they need to be. Let's be filled with the Spirit and the people around us we will relate to better because the filling of the Spirit is highly, highly relational. And you know relationships cause some of the biggest problems in our life. We need to be overflowing. We need to be overflowing. So let me conclude this with a last word on how do I get filled? How does this happen? Number four. Number four. The results of the filling are very relational. Number four is the way to get filled is, and I heard someone say it earlier, submission. Submission. You, you were just ahead of the game. Whoever said submission, you were just one step ahead of me. You didn't even know it. Submission. Be filled with the Spirit is passive, meaning if I'm an empty cup, I can't fill myself with the Spirit. I can't do that on my own. I can't force God to do something. You ever try to force God to do something? It never works. But I can submit myself. I can say, this is the posture of filling. It's like this. I'm the spiritual beggar. I've got nothing going on. I can open my Bible, but I'll get nothing from it unless the Spirit comes and uses this time in my life. I'm getting ready to preach, and I've got nothing going on unless I say, Spirit, fill me. When I walk to the front of the church before I preach, I usually say to myself, and not just myself, but to the Spirit, I say, Spirit, fill me. Sometimes I say to myself, I believe in the Holy Spirit when I walk up here to preach. Because it's so needed. It's so needed. I need to be full. I need to get you all wet as the preaching happens. It has to happen that way. So, i got to be submitted. Filled is passive. I can't fill myself. The Spirit fills me. 
How do you submit? If the posture is on your knees, you might have guessed the filling is about prayer, for one. You ask for it. You say, Spirit, I need to be controlled because I'm going home and I know the fight's going to start. I know those kids get on my nerves and I know every night this week I've blown up at them. I've been angry and I've let it get the best of me every single night this week. I can't control my emotions. Spirit, fill me. I sat down with a guy once after I preached a message on uh, lost sexual purity. And this is a guy in his 20s and he sat down with me and he says, I just don't have the desire to live according to God's word. I just, I don't know how I'm going to get there. And I said, one of the most powerful prayers you could pray then is, God, I don't want to live according to your word, but I know what your word is and I know it's good. And if you don't act in my life, I'm not going to be able to fix this. If you don't show me a way through this, if you don't help me make a battle plan, if you don't empower me, if you don't help change my will, I don't stand a chance. Ask him to help you. Ask him to empower you. This is spirit filling. It's about control. I would also say, since Galatians says, keep in step with the Spirit, I would say, if you want to cooperate with the Spirit and you find yourself resisting, you find yourself stubborn, do small things that begin to cooperate with His leading. If you're jealous of that person at your workplace, you compliment that person. Oh, that's cooperating a little bit with the Spirit here. Right? If you find yourself very greedy, you give a little bit. Cooperate with the Spirit. And as you start doing that, you start flexing your spiritual muscles. You start looking a little bit more like Jesus, and the Spirit empowers you to become stronger than what you were before. It's about submission. It's about surrender. It's about, I'm on your agenda, Spirit. It's not about me. It's about you. And of course, I'd also say it's about, um, if you want to be filled, spiritual disciplines are still necessary. Read your Bible. You want to know what God wants for you? You won't know unless you read your Bible. It does it does, it does little good to say, Spirit, I want to do what you want, so fill me. But if you have no idea what he wants because you haven't cracked open your Bible, that's not very helpful either. The Spirit works with the Bible. It's the sword of the Spirit. So open it. Use it. And he will use it too. So, um, I read this passage and I say, you know what? I see no controversy here. I realize this is not a charismatic church and we're not going to be. You know, we're not speaking in tongues in church. That's not what we're doing here. And I could do a whole message on whys and, 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 and way to, way to, way that happens. That's not my message this morning. I have issues with drunkenness in the spirit because I don't think it's the clear teaching of this passage at all. I'm not the judge though. I can't say what God's doing in those situations, but I certainly don't see it here. When I see filling of the Spirit, I say, this is not controversial at all, unless you call love controversial. Unless you call relational health controversial. Unless you call praising God controversial. And those things are not. So, maybe you're here this morning, and you've heard me say all these things about the Spirit, and you're this person that's empty. You don't have the Spirit because you don't know Christ. And if that's you, let me tell you this. Jesus is crazy about you. He loves you. He wants to give you his spirit. He wants to empower you to live like him. It won't be easy. There'll be pushback. Satan hates it when Christians start stepping up and doing what they're supposed to do. You're going to get the pushback. But maybe you felt empty for far too long. Or 
maybe even worse, you filled your cup with dirt. That is, sin has so enslaved you, sin's got you right where it wants you, you cannot stop. And you're not forgiven because you never asked God to forgive you. These people are going to hell, and if that's you, you don't want to go there. You don't want to live without the Spirit. You don't want to live without your Savior, Jesus Christ. So let me give you an opportunity to respond. If you'd all close your eyes and bow your heads. If you are the empty cup this morning, and you know you need Jesus' forgiveness, you know you need the Spirit to fill you up so that you can even live for Him, live the way He calls you to. I'm always amazed sometimes when I talk to people and they say, um, I'll accept Christ when I get my act together. You can't get your act together until you have Christ. It kind of goes hand in hand. You have the Spirit's power to do this. So if you're the empty one or if you filled your cup with dirt, like we all have, and you want to empty the dirt, you want to be forgiven, and you want to fill it up with something meaningful, would you look up at me and we'll pray together and you can pray to receive Jesus this morning. If that's you, if you want Jesus in your life this morning for the first time, let's pray together. You look up at me, that'd be great. Thank you.